The first rounder's name is Braden Yeager. When he skates into the attacking zone, meaning when he's playing in the Western Hockey League, he can line up for a shot flying down the right side off of one leg, very Phil Kessel-like, and then let it go as a wrister, also very Phil-like. And he'll plant it. Unlike Phil, he'll shoot it high. And he'll plant that, too. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also happen to offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates, although I know better than to ask hockey fans to be bouncing around to programs about other things. The Penguins completed their NHL draft class yesterday in Nashville. And afterward, they made all the usual declarations about how this player so promising. We added this. This one's going to be uh, work in progress, but we believe in da 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 da. You have to do that. I'm here to offer what they would say. I think, in the event of you know being put in a straitjacket and coerced into telling the truth, and that's this: it's an impossible task, and it's going to remain. An impossible task, I believe, for the foreseeable future for Kyle Dubas and his staff. The reason for that is twofold. One, and this one's obvious because it's been the case for a very long time now, when you have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and other talented players, you're never going to finish so low that you get into some kind of lottery scene and you can end up with one of the top three or four players in the world. That is when the draft makes a big, big impact on you. Two, and this is something to which every hockey executive will attest, is that it can never just be about quality. It's got to be about quantity. It's got to be both. If you think you have a uh, class, even as you're leaving the arena after day two of the draft, you still might have gotten yourself in the third round a Jake Gensel, a Brian Rust. It'll take them a while. They'll have to physically mature. They'll have to mentally mature. They'll have to pass every set of tests with every new level. They'll have to learn new things. They'll have to adapt. They'll have to become more complete. And that's a lot of ands in there, okay? And very, very few make it. Any NHL GM will tell you that if they get two NHL players out of a draft, out of one class, they're thrilled. If they get one, it's been okay. And when I say NHL players, I'm not talking about somebody who comes up for a cameo and goes back down. Okay, I'm talking about a real live mainstay contributor, regular contributor to your team over a handful of years. So on one hand, while I can admire and do admire Kyle Dubas stating out loud heading into this draft more than once that his preference is to keep draft picks, his preference is to continue trying to build up this awful system, even while taking care of the NHL roster, that's 
probably something that sounds good but isn't necessarily realistic. I'll give you an example. Dubas goes into this draft. He's barely been on the job for a month. And even though he was able to get Riley Smith for a third rounder, although that's next year's third rounder, he wasn't really in a position where he felt pressured or could have felt pressured to do something. Do it now. Do it now. You know when he's going to feel that? Yeah. Next year's NHL trade deadline. If the Penguins are in some kind of position to either get back in the playoffs or they look like they're on a roll or they finally got themselves a goalie they can rely upon and all that other stuff, he's going to feel it. And that's when people start asking for your first rounders. If not that, at least your second rounders, at least the ones that Ron Hextall would have left you. And when that comes, all those heartwarming quotes about wanting to make sure that you build up the system in there, it just doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You're in the moment. The only way to rebuild a system like this that's got so little quantity and even less quality is a total blow-up. And I know very, very, very few people who are interested in a total blow-up in the final couple years of Sidney Crosby's career. So what do you do? You try to keep the picks that you can. You try to hit on the ones that you make, especially, especially the one at the very top. Jaeger is intriguing, legitimately. A year ago, there were some services projecting that he could be a top five pick in the draft. Fell back a little bit. Didn't score as many goals. Didn't take over as many games. And while there are people who will excuse that, maybe legitimately, by saying that he was really determined to make himself more of a complete player, letting everybody know in Nashville that he was patterning his game after Sid, was still a backward step. But, but, it was a backward step from a really high spot. And what people most care about when they're looking at these picks is how high can they go? How high is that ceiling? This kid does one thing that almost nobody else in this system does, and that's finish. He scores goals. He scores them off the rush. He'll score them high and low, like I mentioned earlier, and he'll score them with moves in tight, too. He's got got that. He's got that number one most important trait that you want in a forward, putting the puck in the back of the net. Here's what Nick Pryor, the Penguin scouting director, had to say about him on the floor in Nashville. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Braden, uh, we see him as a, as a really smart, intelligent, 200 foot center. Uh, really good for a shot. Really good release on his shot. This year, he, he focused more on his 200 foot game. Like I said, uh, he had a drop in goals from a 16 year old year to a 17 year old year. But his assist went up. So I think he's added more option and playmaking into his game. And like I said, just really put a lot of time and effort into playing on both sides of the puck. So we see him as a, as a really good 200-foot player that is uh, going to be a guy that can play in all situations. Power could be killed. Hey, sounds good. But, you know, clone him. Like, clone him a lot. When we come back, J1Q. comes from Larry, who says, DK, it's easy to feel like the NHL draft is low impact. 
Do you have any examples of previous draft picks outside of the obvious ones who worked out for the Penguins or what an expected timeline looks like to see them in the pros, generally speaking? Larry, one of the more uncomfortable feelings that a longtime hockey observer will have in watching the draft is hearing or reading on social media People claim to be experts on the prospects involved. There probably aren't more than 10 or 12 actual experts on the NHL draft on the entire continent. If that sounds like an exaggeration to you, whatever. I'm not sure it is. And the reason for that, plain and simple, is like a lot of other things, There's just less information available to hockey fans, in part because the NHL remains stuck in the Stone Age. When you say that, uh, people immediately think of, you know, Tom Wilson or whatever, or missed suspensions and that. That's part of it. But there's so much more to it. The statistics are stuck in the Stone Age. The data that's available to generate the statistics is stuck in the Stone Age. And the NHL could pull this stuff and make it available and add to the enjoyment of the people who, you know, relish that sort of thing. The same way Major League Baseball has done forever and continues to lead the way in, the same way the NFL has picked up on certainly with a lot of steam, I think, over the last couple of years. By comparison, you have nothing. I'm not even talking about the lower levels or the amateurs, which is what applies to the draft. I'm talking about the Stanley Cup final. They just have no sense for this sort of thing. So, yeah, when it comes to the amateurs, when it comes to attempting to be an expert or even just be moderately knowledgeable in the NHL draft, you're reduced to finding, digging up arcane highlights from leagues that are all over the world, some of which still don't record their own games. And even then, that gets diminished down to just a couple minutes of highlights. Well, everyone looks good in a highlight. I could show you Brian Dumoulin's highlights from this past season, and you'd think he was Bobby Orr. I could put together, I'm not exaggerating here, I could put together 60 solid seconds of just, wow, this guy's unbelievable. We've got to have him. But that doesn't account for, you know, all the other shifts. So a lot of what the NHL is doing, I should say the NHL is in the league, but the 32-member teams are doing is they still go very old school. It's scouts flying all over the world. Scouts are seeing the players. Scouts are watching their body language and everything else. It's like going back in time when compared to the other two sports. So to try to answer your actual question, since I clearly haven't done that so far, It'll most often take a good prospect, a good one, three or four years to really be challenging for NHL duty. It'll take a very good first rounder a couple of years. It'll take a defenseman specifically an extra year. Most teams still believe that you can't be an NHL defenseman, at least not a very good one or a sturdy one without spending one full season in the American Hockey League. 
and goaltenders? Boy, this one's the easiest to answer of all of them. Nobody knows, man. Nobody knows what goes on behind those masks. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We will have another episode on Monday.